Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. The Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast starts now. Thanks so much for taking some time out to join us for another edition of the Mach 1 Market Moment. I'm Walter Storholt, joined by the great team at Mach 1 Financial Group, serving you throughout Northwest Arkansas, retirement income planning specialists. And Matt Walters joins us from the Mach 1 team today. Matt, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thanks, Walter. Always a pleasure to jump on here and talk to you. Always enjoy hearing your perspective. You know, we've heard David and Kyle for years and years here on the program, so it's nice to get a fresh voice every once in a while. Yeah, I'm the young, wise one of the group. The young, wise one. I love it. I'm sure they totally agree with you, right? Yeah, we just won't ask them. That's right. That's right. Well, we've got a great show today. It's one of our favorites here on the Mach 1 Market Moment. It's called the Mailbag Edition of the program, where we answer your questions. The great folks of Northwest Arkansas, Matt, have written in a couple of good ones for us this week. We'll try to tackle three. I think we'll get to all three. If you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show, or you just want to have a conversation with the team, Matt. Matt, Kyle, David, and everybody else there at Mach 1, you can go to mock-1financial.com to get all the great information, mock-1financial.com. First question is going to come to us from Steve and Rogers. Steve says, at this point in my life, I'm not that interested in making my portfolio a lot bigger. I just don't want to lose what I have. Is that short-sighted? Yeah, Steve, this is a good question. We it's all completely dependent on your situation. So my first response would be no, it's not necessarily short-sighted, but as many, you know, responses people have, it does depend, right? So as everyone thinks about and ponders this big retirement question mark and what that looks like for them, ultimately what you have to know and decide is, you know, how much money do you need to do what you're trying to do in retirement, whether that be work part-time, completely stop working altogether, what age are you trying to do that? And if you do a retirement analysis, which we here at Mach 1 do on a daily basis for people, if you do a retirement analysis, then you can come to a number that you know you'll need to have to generate the type of income that you're going to need in retirement. So I say that because if you're at that number or if you're at a number that's very close to and you don't need to get a, a really good rate of return to get you to that number – based on the retirement age and your portfolio size and all of those various factors, then no, your thought of just not wanting to lose anything and being very conservative could be the perfect approach and the appropriate approach for you. But we want to know those things, right? We want to know what that dollar amount is that we need to you know, live comfortably in retirement, to provide that retirement income that we know we're going to need. And if we don't know what that number is, then it's really difficult to answer that question of, well, am I being short-sighted or should I, you know, do I need to continue to take a little bit of risk to hopefully generate a better return? If we don't know where we're trying to get to, then it's hard to answer those types of questions. So kind of to back up and just kind of repeat myself there, Steve, it depends. If you're close to or at the number you need to be, then yes, getting very conservative and just protecting your nest egg could be the perfect approach for you. But if we still have a ways to go before we get to where we're trying to go, then that might be a little early. We might need to continue to invest and be strategic with trying to get a certain rate of return to get us where we're trying to go. 
Yeah, Steve, it's a common question, but I think it's one that's also a little bit more astute than most. Most people don't think of it in the way that you phrase that question of asking, am I being short-sighted? A lot of people aren't willing to admit that that could be how they're viewing a certain situation and that maybe they're not viewing it through the proper lens. So it's nice that you have that self-awareness there. Great, great question. Let's hop over to Gravit and get a great question here from Shayla. Shayla says, I'm a small business owner. Should I be doing anything to adjust how I'm saving and planning for taxes with all the changes that have been talked about in the news? Do I need to adjust my deductions, reposition funds in my IRAs? All that kind of stuff is what I'm curious about. Yeah, so I'm going to defer a lot of the tax questions, as I typically do. So we can talk about some general things when it comes to taxes, but I definitely don't want to come across as though I'm giving you specific tax advice, Shayla. So I would definitely recommend working with a CPA when it comes to your deductions and adjusting those. And should you be itemizing or taking the standard deduction, et cetera, et cetera. As you said, this has recently changed. And so there are new things that we need to make sure we educate ourselves on, especially being a business owner. Obviously, your situation might be a little bit more complex than someone who doesn't own their own business. All of that said, from an investment standpoint, repositioning funds in your IRAs, which is one thing that you mentioned, that's something that we have been doing a fair amount of because of the new tax laws and the tax situation that we're in right now. Historically speaking, we're in a pretty favorable tax environment. If you just look at where personal tax brackets have been, so we have been doing a fair amount of Roth conversions and moving money from, you know, taxable IRAs, traditional rollover IRAs to a Roth IRA, paying that taxes now since we are in a fairly favorable tax environment and allowing that money and those assets to grow and be tax-free in the future. So my thought process on that is when I'm talking to clients about that and working, obviously we look at the numbers and the details of the situation, but if we know we're in a good, fairly favorable tax environment right now, and we don't know what taxes are going to look like in 10 years, are we typically not better off just paying the taxes now when we know what they are versus kind of waiting and gambling and hoping they're lower in the future. Well, if we're in a pretty good bracket right now or a pretty good situation with the new tax changes, you know, chances are they're probably going to be higher in the future, not lower. So that's some of the reasons we've been doing a little bit more of the Roth conversion. So that would definitely be something you could look at, you know, is a substantial part of your nest egg in tax deferred accounts. And that's going to be 100% taxable in the future. Well, if the answer to that is yes, then maybe depending on income and where you stand from a tax standpoint, maybe it does make sense to move some money around and go ahead and pay taxes now, you know, to have some more tax-free money in the future. So definitely something to talk to a CPA about. We'd obviously love to be a resource for you and look at your specific situation. So feel free to call us here at the office you know, drop by and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions that you have on that. There are a few things you can always count on in life, death, and us talking about taxes on the Mach 1 market moment. It's such a prevalent topic when it comes to your finances, and a lot of people just gloss over it. They don't think there's much that they can do. But you know, there are things that can be done, and Shayla's done a nice job of outlining a couple of those questions you should be asking when it comes to repositioning and making sure that you're in the right spot for your financial situation when it comes to that tax conversation. All right, one more question here as we hop over to Bentonville. August has a question for us. August says, my buddy says, I should only be willing to work with a fee-only advisor 
As to not show my ignorance on the topic, I nodded and agreed. But honestly, I'm not sure what fee only really means. What is it, and is he right that it's the best kind of financial advisor? Yeah, August, this is a question that I talk through a lot with a lot of the people that I'm meeting with. We get this kind of question a lot about, you know, the most common way to ask this is, well, how do you get paid? I hear that question almost every first appointment that I have, and I always encourage it because we like to be very, very transparent in explaining to people how we get paid here at Mach 1. But there's different ways that an advisor can get paid. So just because we get paid a certain way here at our firm does not mean that's how you know another advisor down the road is structured and set up. So there are multiple ways an advisor can be paid. When your friend re- refers to a fee-only advisor, what he's referring to is someone who doesn't get paid based on transactions or changes to the portfolio or specific to the recommendations that they're making. So for example, here at Mach 1, we charge a percentage of assets that we're managing for a client. So that's a flat, fixed percentage of assets. So that assures our, reassures our clients that we have their best interest in mind, right? We do better as they do better because that percentage stays the same as their accounts and their assets grow. So that's the only way we do better. We don't produce any revenue for ourselves or the firm by making changes to the funds that we're using or the strategies that we're implementing. So our clients know that we're not recommending changes or strategies just to produce a little bit of extra revenue. That's how it works here at Mach 1 with a fee-only advisor. There are other advisors out there that are compensated slightly different, and they can generate a commission or a fee based on the fund or strategy that they recommend. And every time that they change that, or every time they say, you know, August, we want to move you from this fund to another fund, then that could be potentially producing a stream of revenue for them. So it's not that that's bad, and it's not that that's a horrible thing, but it does always kind of come with the question of, well, why are we making this move? Is this move in my best interest? And the advisors that are structured that way and set up that way are actually held to a lower standard. They only have to prove that what they're offering and recommending for you is suitable. Whereas as a fiduciary, a fee-only advisor, we have to prove that what we're offering is in your best interest, not only suitable for you, but it's the recommendation that makes the most sense for you when comparing all of your options available to you. So it's hard to say whether one is better, one is worse. My opinion is the fee-only approach is the most effective way to align the client's interests with the advisor's interests and assure you that there's not changes and movements being made within the portfolio just to produce revenue. But if you have an advisor that's in the, depending on the situation, the other structure could make sense as well. My recommendation is it's something that you just, you educate yourself on and come to a conclusion of what makes the most sense for you based in your situation. And I typically find that people like the fee only compensation model with advisors. And you guys at Mach 1 Financial Group, I mean, you've met with a lot of people. So you've gotten a lot of great feedback between what people tend to prefer, what they don't, the types of relationships they like to cultivate, the way that the relationship should develop and evolve, not only from the initial meeting, but over time as well. And it does seem like with, you know, a fee-only advisor, it just kind of enhances or it aligns the goals of everybody involved and allows the advisor to kind of not just be there at the start, but to be there throughout the retirement process. Is that a good read on the situation? 
Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Cool. Well, if you want to get in touch with the Mach 1 Financial Group team here in Northwest Arkansas, you need to talk about your financial plan with Matt Walters, David Lee, Kyle Alexander, and the fantastic folks there at Mach 1. 479-876-2100 is your number to call. That's a local number, 876-2100. If you get the voicemail at the office, no worries. Just leave a message. The team will be able to get back in touch with you and talk about your plan. 479-876-2100 is that number. That's 876-2100. And always online at mock-1financial.com. Mock-1financial.com. Matt, thanks for taking some time out to join us on the podcast this week, and we'll look forward to another conversation next time around. Thanks, Walter. Look forward to it. That's Matt Walters. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you on the next Mach 1 Market Moment. Advisory services through Capel Advisory Solutions, LLC, DBA Fusion Capital Management. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the potential loss of principal. Please see full disclosures at www.mock-1financial.com.